Welcome to the podcast. Join Nate and Mike, lifelong friends, as they discuss stocks and investing. The name says it all. This This is is Two Buds Buds Talk Talk Stocks. Stocks. All opinions expressed by Nate and Mike are their own. Please do not buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome. This is part two. We're continuing the previous episode where it was just a nice little hodgepodge of stock talk between the two of us. Well, and that's where, um, you know, I'm just reiterating that point that you want to look at, you know, like uh, how a company shouldn't handle their financials. That's just AT&T. The, the thing that really is is very, you know, confusing to me is the share amount of, and I'm trying to find it, the, the share amount of people that own AT&T compared to Google. Oh yeah. See, this works really well too. It's crazy. Google is such a, a high dollar amount on the actual, um, what the, what the shares trade for. So it probably even skews it a little bit and that it, the volume is not traded nearly as much, but this actually for you and I is a better thing. I mean, I don't want my shares trading hands that often. This is also how Berkshire is now trading well above 400,000. It's just because people that own those shares hold them. But AT&T, I don't know if this is the point you're making, but it probably is one consistently one of the most traded stocks on a daily basis. Too. Correct. Absolutely. And that's just, it's just amazing when you compare it to, um, to Google. Um, so that's kind of all. And here's, I made a change too. Do you want to hear another change I did? Yeah. Last thing, as long as we're bashing AT&T, and this is my yeah, favorite Go thing. ahead, bash away. Um, you have it up, pull up the code. I haven't looked at AT&T probably since the last time, but I'm going to guess it's still between, uh, 22 and $27. That's what right now. It's trading at 25. <laughs> so, so this is what we're going to do every, every few months or so. I'm just going to say it's between 22 and 27. And then you're going to go lower this than is- 22, never above 27. So when I was buying Shopify, which by the way, I love Shopify's numbers. Thank you again for kind of nudging me in the right direction. Um, there's not really anything. The only thing I don't like about Shopify is that, you know, think that these contracts run, run out. Like we talked about with Pinterest. Pinterest is one of their largest um, uh, businesses that, they, that they're working with. PayPal owns them. There's no way they're going to use Shopify. All of a sudden they kind of lost that contract. They like, do get the new ones though. They just did sign the um, deals with, I think, Google and with uh, Microsoft. Spotify. Oh, this is Spotify. So yes, yeah, for their cloud. So and I'm still bullish good. on them, and I love the runway and all those points we made on on your on the last pod we can listen to. But it was I was just kind of comparing AT and T to kind of uh, Shopify a little bit of what not to look at, mm-hmm. and this is like a staggering number for me. So they have. Current, and this is like a net net example is ideally you want to have current assets of a million dollars and your current liabilities are a million dollars. That's a net net. Their current assets are $52 billion. And you're like, 52 billion is a lot of money, right? <laughs> liabilities like, I don't have way $52 more. $52 billion. They're told, and then what you do for a net net quick is if you just go to a balance sheet, you do current assets minus total liabilities. And then that's kind of your, your, your answer there. Starbucks is a net net Shopify is net net. AT&T has 52 billion in assets in their total liabilities. They have $283 (laughs) billion in liabilities. That's think about that. It's, 
it's astronomically high. I, it's probably, it's higher anyways, just because they're in communications and in, in cable. So it's always going to be higher, but I'm sure if we compared that to Verizon, Comcast, or T-Mobile, it probably, that ratio is, I would guess is still the highest. And I feel like it's what they're doing because it's showing that their yield on their dividends, 8%. I feel like that's like misleading people. Cause you know, there are people that aren't educated, which I'm not, I might, I don't mean that's a negative thing. Maybe they're just not conceptualizing and they just see, wait a minute, I've get this huge dividend. It's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know how they can get away with that. Well, I mean, to, to just expand on that, um, another example that comes to my head of a company that has paid a dividend and has paid it for quite a bit of time is Nike. I don't think of really as Nike is a, is a stalwart dividend company, but it's something like 17 years in a row now that it has raised its dividend every single year, but it's dividend. If you look at its dividend yield, it always looks tiny. It doesn't look enticing. It's 1%. Yeah. But that's because the stock price is appreciating. AT&T is going in the wrong direction. The price keeps going down. So the yield keeps going up. And we talked about this in the dividend episode. We have to be careful because that could be a trap. It's counterintuitive, but it's actually a good thing that we see Nike stock keep going up or Apple stock keep going up or Microsoft and the yield looks smaller and smaller because that's what I'm saying. The price appreciation is to me is just as much, if not more than the actual income. I mean, especially well, and I was when actually I don't doing, and, and mine, uh, I'm going to drop some boring knowledge, but I'm going to show you actually how people don't realize how the dividend yield is calculated because sometimes it can be a negative. I was actually reading a book. Tell me if you're riding someone's coattails, right? I'm reading a book by Warren Buffett's ex, no, Warren Buffett's daughter-in-law from an old marriage. Oh, uh, is this the Mary Buffett book yeah. on how to read the financial So it's statements? like yeah. on the book, it's like mm-hmm. Buffett, by Buffett, Buffett, Buffett. But she's just kind of like holding on to the name, you know? Yeah, she's uh, definitely riding the coattails. I think she actually got, uh, she's excommunicado from the family too. She spoke uh, a lot about money and the inheritance or something. And uh, Buffett did not like that. Yeah, um, it's still actually, it's not a bad book. It's like, you know, really thin. It's just a good kind of yeah. refresher about some stuff. So to calculate the dividend yield, all you have to do is you divide the annual dividends paid per share by the price per share. So that's why sometimes when you look at a dividend yield like a Nike, that 0.68% is a good thing because the company's share toward it is, is actually where it priced accordingly. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely right. You have a company that pays a $1 dividend, $100 share price, that's 1%. But if the company immediately got cut in half overnight and it was only paying $50 or it was only $50 a share and would still be $1 dividend, right? It's it's basically that dividend yield is doubled and somebody might say, ooh, it looks juicy. But the real question is like, wait, why did it just get cut in half? And that's what I think AT&T is. It's just People are not looking like, why does this yield keep going up? Well, and you talk about price. it to begin with. Pinterest went up 12% because it was being acquired. Yep. Discovery did not go up when it was being acquired by AT&T. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the deal. Anyways. T-shirts are coming out with some AT&T slogan. <laughs> yeah, I, I like your thing though. That's what I'm gonna do. Whenever I'm feeling bad about a position I own now, I'm just gonna just put it up against an AT&T chart. Be like, all right, I feel a little better now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, my last thing I want to leave you with, my son's turning 10 and he says, I want, because I buy fractional shares for him. He said, I want yeah. for my birthday, one full share. 
I said, well, all right, well, what one full share did he want? And he said, I want waste management. So I, I reached out to waste management and they're sending us uh, sweatshirts. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yellow and green, just the W. Yeah, waste management. I actually uh, say I, I like their, their colors. It does very much remind me of the Packers, right? Yellow, yellow and green. So it's good stuff. You can, you can they're both trash, right? <laughs> That was good. Touche. <laughs> I love I love waste manager. They're trading at 160, 163 today. You know, it's a, it's one of those companies that um, report next week. Ooh, I'll keep an eye on that one. They really did not go up as much as I thought they would in the pandemic. If you want to talk about pandemic plays with people locked in, staying inside, I thought there would have been more trash accumulating and would have been better for their business. But they were actually using that time to really uh, look into new initiatives. Uh, uh, clean waste, right? Waste to energy type stuff. So I also like really what they're they're doing. As we've talked about, ESG is is important to me. So I like that idea of the uh, things they're doing with recycling and waste to energy. And uh, another company, Dividend, just continues to grow. Well, here's, I'll even go a step further. Um, with my portfolio, I've got about 25 to 30 individual stocks. And I would also like next year to have 10 of those stocks to have about 80% of the position. Cause right now there are a lot of them are even, mm -hmm. you know, I own as much Procter Gamble as I do uh, uh, target yeah. as, as I do Starbucks as I do. And I'm trying to make waste, maybe even waste management, a top five to seven holdings mm -hmm. um, right now. I, if, if not that you were asking me, but the, 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 the stocks I'm really kind of, you know, I was joking with Portillo's that that's going to be probably my, one of my, my lowest positions. I want to see more numbers. I want to see more quarters. I want to see more growth. I have no problem missing out on gains right now and just mm -hmm. slowly dollar cost averaging it mm -hmm. all the way to the top. Um, Cause I don't want to have another Sam Adams on my hands. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> um, a little jab to you there. Uh, I, the, the, the stocks I'm really or, excited about are going to be Shopify. Yeah. Waste management, mm -hmm. Walmart, and um, DocuSign. Go, going Walmart over Target. Even, well, even I like Target, Target too. Um, I like them both. And I like Clorox a bunch too. I mean, you can listen to all the episodes. I'm not picking, it's tough. I'm not going to lie to you. And this is that psychological part, mm -hmm. right? I bought Target at its 52 week high, and it's been nothing but going down since I bought it. Um, but, that's something um, I'm trying to overcome a little bit, but Walmart has been going down too, or it's not as much. I think both of those this year have not, I mean, Walmart, I think last time I looked was negative this year too. So it's, it is, it is, but at least maybe I hit, at least when I purchased that, I got a little bit on the, uh, it wasn't as much of a, on the up on the ups going up versus the down. I actually do like target and, um, Walmart, both of them. I like waste management better than both of them combined. I'll say that much. Here, I'll leave you with this uh, parting thought here as we wrap up too, as the as I often do with the uh, the market cap and the runway. The one thing that I would say is still a little more enticing to me about Target, and I would put Clorox in the same thing, is you have direct comparisons that you can that you can use as a gauge. Target and Walmart. If you look at that market cap for Target and look at Walmart, and then you look at what Clorox is compared to P and G, that is the biggest reason why I would take the smaller of the two companies, because I think there is potentially more runway to grow to the larger ones, whereas we don't necessarily know how much the large ones can keep, keep growing. So just thought, well, for thought. The other thing too, is I'm all about VOE and that's value, opportunity, and execution. 
And that's what I did. And sometimes I do, sometimes I can get it right. Um, that's what I did with Clorox. Clorox, I, I like the products they have. Um, you know, it's funny whether it's Drano or mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, no, actually Liquid Plumber, sorry. Uh, Liquid Plumber, Kingsford. It's kind of amazing what Clorox does own. Mm-hmm. I, I like that, you know, they were at their all-time highs. They tumbled 40%. I bought them at that 40%. I saw the opportunity in there. The same thing I did with FedEx. FedEx has been hammered, um, and I bought that. And I think it's going to be a 36 to a 72 month until I really see some of those gains. Um, and those are some of my my value opportunity execution moves I've made. Again, yeah. not that you're asking me. <laughs> well, I mean, especially if you if you still like them too, then there's going to be plenty of opportunities to still buy. I mean, I think that going into this holiday season, from everything that I've been listening to and reading to the supply chain is going to be very, very strained. So that's definitely going to have implications on FedEx, Walmart, and and Target probably. And if they are beaten down, it's a good opportunity to to buy in more if you're so inclined. It's hard. And I have been adding more to Target. I'm definitely long on Target and and Walmart for sure. I want to ask you something though, because we did your portfolio for the last two episodes. Mm What, what, are, what are your thoughts? Are you thinking of like trimming more or kind of making it sure that you've got more of a condensed portfolio? Because we still have another 20 more stocks that we could have even tackled yeah. on your portfolio. A lot of those I, I have. That. And um, yes, going over the review of that portfolio was actually very good for me too, because it really made me think about all the positions I owned and some of them that overlap and ones that I just don't have as much conviction in and it's kind of hard because i'm like the kid in the candy store i hear about a company i see it and i do it and i'm just by it but then when we actually start talking you and i we keep coming back to a lot of the same names and the idea being if those are the names that i'm that i'm most interested in or the companies that i like best to try to really focus on those so i have been trying to get it down to um trying not to sell anything but definitely not add to it so sam adams is one that i I don't have any interest in, in adding more to right now. And I, even if it continues to go down, I just, it's, I mean, a beer company is not interesting to me as compared to, to Shopify or to, to DocuSign or to um, Square in the, in the FinTech space. So that's the idea is just trying to look for those opportunities that I think are going to really define uh, uh, what we do. I'll go a step further. I, I have over the years, it's just, I've always been, you know, I've had tons of dividends through it. I've been adding to it is, and it's one of those, well, you can never go wrong with Wells Fargo. And I think I would rather have my money. And I think I'm going to start trimming in 2022, you know, talk about a a laggard. Mm -hmm. I mean, good God, that thing is the definition of a laggard. You know, I think my money could be a lot better to where I could, you know, get rid of one more stock and disperse it to DocuSign, Shopify, Waste Management, Target, Google. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those are all companies that really excite me a lot more than, you know, we talk ad nauseum about fintech and how often are we talking about banking? Yeah, I mean, America and Merrill Lynch. I mean, Wells Fargo probably is trying to look to the future and redefine and be more fintech oriented too. I mean, I think a lot of those banks are Bank of America and and JP too, but I still think that you could almost make a play and say that DocuSign 
could fit a niche for fintech because of what they do, right? Documents, every bank has paperwork that they need to have clients sign, whether you're setting up a new account, whether you're getting a loan on your home or your car. So this is why I like DocuSign because it, it's a software company, right? Technology, but there's a lot of parallels that you could say could even fit into the role of, of financial technology too. And if you wanted to get rid of something like a Bank of America or whatever, but still wanted some sort of financial exposure, I don't think it's that far of a stretch to say DocuSign still can kind of fit. And that's what I like playing with these. It doesn't have to be rigid that this stock is one sector, one industry. It can cover a lot of different things. Well, I'm looking, you know, whether it's going to be you know, you're getting divorced and you're DocuSign documents. I mean, we see it in real estate with contracts. Um, we see it a lot with whether it's, you know, certain types of disclosures companies are using. Uh, you know, my wife just started a new job and she had a sign her offer letter, mm -hmm. DocuSign. Um, the, the numbers, I will say like Shopify's numbers are impressive numbers. DocuSign is to me the epitome of a, it's a new company. It's very, it's fairly new, relatively new. The, the valuation isn't there. And that's what you're going to see with companies that are kind of very new. I mean, they went public, what, a year and a half ago? Um, no, I right? think it's been, it's been about, uh, it's closer to three years, I think, that they, they've been public. It's actually, it only feels like in the last year and a half that really more and more that people have been using DocuSign with the uh, 2018, with the $29 yeah. a share. And it's well over 200 now, right? Oh, well, let's even look at the numbers of DocuSign. And I've been adding a little bit to it. Um, and it's DocuSign's a tough one too. I mean, again, if, if, if you're someone that can't stomach 3% gains, 4% losses, that's down two and a half percent today, you know, there's where Procter and Gamble, Starbucks, all those companies we talk about too, those might be a better fit for you. DocuSign, you know, Shopify is down 5% today. DocuSign's down 2.275%. You know, his all-time high was 280. Now it's at 27, or excuse me, all-time high was actually at uh, 295. It's at 273. So it is a little bit more volatile, but I know what you're already thinking, you know, market cap, $53 billion. It's been around for three years and it's already starting that verb name. It's uh, There's not a lot of people that you meet on the street that don't that aren't familiar with what DocuSign is. Let's um, um, do, do this real quick. So it's closest competitor and it's not across the board, but Adobe is probably the closest company yeah, that has paperwork. So what is what is Adobe's market cap? So All this right. is a good that is the one thing because you can still like sign PDFs mm -hmm. and do all that stuff. I would say that Adobe is definitely their biggest competitor. We've actually never talked about Adobe on the pod. We've got stock trading at $643 a share. Market cap, you want to take a guess? Um Let's see. If you're saying DocuSign's at uh, 53, I'm going to say at the very least four four times as big. 200 billion, 306 billion. So even bigger than what I was saying. So again, my favorite example there. That's not to say that DocuSign is going to get to that, but it gives you an idea of the the runway it potentially has for for similar businesses. So the chances of DocuSign doubling to 100 billion before. Adobe doubles to uh, 600 billion. I mean, it's, I like, I like that. Uh, I like DocuSign even more when I look at something like that. Not well, to say that's going to happen. I could see actually why, if you're not like, if I look at right now, um, Adobe, which, I mean, their whole thing is just the dot, the dot PDF, right? Like that's their number one. 
They, they do other big. things, of course. They but. have all sorts of, I mean, they actually software just across the board. So they have their, they have their drawing software that I think they do uh, computer aided draft software, but then they do stuff for studio editing for, for music and, and video, all sorts of stuff. And then PDFs is still what I, what I would use them for the most, but, um, and then converting documents. So yeah, everything from a spreadsheet into a PDF, from a PDF into a spreadsheet, Word docs, all that stuff. Couldn't bring it back to our original topic, mm -hmm. DocuSign being bought by a company. I mean, I could see that. If you were like Adobe, you've got you, $6.5 in cash. So I was thinking about this too, because it would, it would seem like Adobe would, but I guess at this point, they're already so big and they have so much. I don't know if you'd have to pay a premium, right? So if, right. if, if Docus, if DocuSign's at 53 billion, I would say at least a 25% premium. I don't know what that gets you up to, but call it just at least um, 70 billion to be paying. Is it really worth them paying that money to gain their subscriber base when you do all the same thing? So maybe they're just thinking they can just keep growing their business or organically and always always have the lead because I would think that based on that market cap that Adobe still has the uh, the bigger market share. I will say though, I don't ever see them um, being acquired. Daniel Springer, their CEO, mm -hmm. if you've ever seen interviews with him, he's all about just making this the biggest company they mm -hmm. possibly can. If you've, if you've ever heard the CEO, president CEO, he's not looking to just cash out yeah. and move on. He's looking to make DocuSign the household name we think it could be. This is um, also something too that I've been really thinking a lot about more lately is the idea of skin in the game. So to your point about DocuSign CEO, he is a shareholder of the company and I think he has sold some of it, but he still has more than uh, a 5% ownership in the company, 8%. So it's just one of the things I've been looking at too is I like being aligned with the founder or with the CEO or the executive team, meaning those people that have a lot of ownership in the company, we're a little more aligned. If, if the company does well, they do well, we do well. If you see companies that have owners that are selling their shares, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is something to take pause at and look at because really, if we both want the company to go up, then what better sign than to see a large percentage of ownership from the, the founder, from the CEO. And I love hearing stuff like that. I don't have interest in selling. I want to continue building up the company and I want to keep my position and see it grow as well. I even go a step further. You know how we talk about it's okay if you don't pay a dividend because you're just reinvesting that into mm -hmm. the company. I also sometimes like to look at the uh, salaries of the CEOs. Mm -hmm. And this guy's making less than a million dollars a year. Yeah, I mean. So that means that he's cares, just, but... he's not trying to like get these huge payouts. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah, I mean, only time will point. tell, but. I mean, compared to, I mean, I think um, bank CEOs are some of the highest paid out there, right? JP Morgan and Jamie Dimon, I'm sure is super excessive and uh, Brian Moyahan at, uh, at Bank of America. So yeah, a million dollars is not very much. And then a large position in the stock. I mean, that's a guy that I'm a little more aligned with. He wants to see the company do well and so do I. Let's see what shop, since we've talked about Shopify. Yeah, get this. Do you know how much the founder of Shopify pays himself? Um, 
No, I know Toby Lukey is the uh, founder and CEO, and he seems to be a guy that has a really good work-life balance, taking care of his employees and wanting to see the company do well. So I would imagine, again, it is low. 104000 a year. There you go. <laughs> it's like only $4,000 or $4, more than Buffett. Isn't that Buffett's salary? Is yeah, like, like the dollar. Or you know when yeah. they come, they're like a dollar or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good, actually. That's awesome. I mean, there's a guy that, yes. Wants to uh, to reinvest the money in the company and see it do well. Sounds good, Nate. If you have any questions about any of what we've talked about today or something we missed, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Two Buds Talk Stocks or on Gmail at Two Buds Talk Stocks. And occasionally we post pictures on Instagram at Two Buds Talk Stocks. And if you listen to us on a platform like Apple where you can leave a rating or review, please do so. It might help bump us up in the algorithm and get more listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening. Welcome to the pod. We are live. How are you doing today, Mike? Well, uh, today's kind of an interesting day. Today we're recording this on the 3rd of December. NASDAQ is down 2.7%. Dow's down a percent. S&P's down 1.63%. So I figured what better way today than for us to discuss the highest percent of companies that are off their 52-week high, all right? Explain for um, the listeners, what, what, is, what does that mean? So what that means is if you've got a 52-week high, which means in the previous 52 weeks, what your high is, what is your percentage that you are down from that high? So let me give you an example. If your 52-week high was $100 and now you're trading at $50, you are now... 50% down from your 52 week high from the highest point within the last 52 yes. weeks. Got it. Now, what we're going to do, we had a lot of good feedback about our studs and duds that we talked about. There's going to be a lot of duds on this list that we're going to go over and keep in mind, this list is ever changing because when you see like days like today, who knows, we'll be on the list next week. I want to see if you see any, what I call BOE value, opportunity execution mm. on any of these stocks, anything that you want to add to your portfolio. And I actually want to kind of joke on a lot of these companies too. I like that. Um, hindsight is always 2020, right? Yeah. All right. Coming in at number one, we've got discover, which is 70% off its 52 week high. And do you know what discover reminds me of? Is this, this there's dis like discover the financial company? No, this is actually, I'm sorry. Discovery. discovery discovery yes yeah this is the uh the uh cable channel right the discovery the cable channel, channel. Okay. do you know what they remind me of discovery reminds me of you know that guy that owns money all over town and he's in debt to everybody and then he goes out and buys a corvette <laughs> to me discovery is the corvette and at&t is the guy that has a bunch of debt on their hands and then they bought discovery and they had no business buying it Hence why the stock is down 70% off its 52-week high. I want nothing to do with it. Coming in at number two, Viacom also down 70%, Viacom CBS from their 52-week high. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of a history lesson, okay? And excuse my language, but Viacom CBS is the most asinine evolution of a company that I've ever seen in my entire life. Can I break this down to you? You ready? You ready to have your mind blown? Okay, see if you can follow this. 1927, CBS is founded. Okay, great. CBS is founded. Then in 19, 
70, they decided to be renamed as Viacom. Okay. Then in 1971, Viacom says, you know what? We're going to spin off CBS as its own company. So now there's Viacom and CBS. Follow me so far. Then in, let's take a look here, in 1999, CB, Viacom decides to then buy CBS. Okay, so they spun them off in 1971. They bought them again in 1999. And then in 2006, spun them off again. Viacom spins off CBS again. <laughs> They split CBS and Viacom into two separate companies. This is uh, this is reminds me of uh, like a dysfunctional relationship. You got one. It's like I can't do this anymore. The other one's <laughs> I can still do this. No, wait, now I can't do this. Wait, let's give it another chance. <laughs> it gets better. Two thousand six, Viacom split into CBS and Viacom. I can't believe this. Guess what happens in two thousand nineteen? Um. They got back together. <laughs> they got back together. Here's here. I'm gonna this this may not this may not be funny. It may be funny. Here's what I play happens. Ring ring. Hi, this is CBS Corporation. Who's on the other line? It's me. Is that you, Viacom? Let's get back together. So they essentially broke up in the 70s, got back together in the 90s, broke up again in the 2000s, and they got back together in the 2019s. You know, this also, this also reminds me of too, is, um, do you watch, uh, do you watch succession on HBO? I do. It's gotta be hands down, like the, the best show on television right now, but it seems to me that this, that, that succession in the Roy family, it's based on a couple different media families. One, uh, the Murdoch family with Fox, but it also reminds me of the the Redstone family that I think are the controlling owners of, of Viacom. And both of these are legacy media companies, right? And where we're pivoting to digital, to social media and everything else and technology. And you see these old school media companies with print newspaper and television news. And it just, this also, again, Viacom and uh, CBS are, are together, we're splitting up. It's like what's going right now, and spoiler alert in the storyline, um, just the most recent episode, the uh, the Roy family with ATN and their network is talking about, again, trying to maybe bring the deal back up, which was last season with the Pierce family, because they're another old school uh, media network like that. And I just, I can't help but think the, uh, the writing team is just subtly just taking real life events and just putting it in. Cause that show just seems so accurate to what this is. Well, what I don't get is like, let's say CBS is like, Hey, we should buy it. Or Viacom is like, we should buy something else. Are they at a round table? And someone's like, how about Netflix? No. How about, ABC, well, they're owned by Disney. How about blah, blah, blah? And then someone's like, you know, CBS is still available. I just, it makes no sense. So I want nothing to do with uh, Viacom CBS. Here's a spoiler alert. I look, okay, I'm going to look into the future. Okay. This is the uh, me reading the future. I think CBS and Viacom, there might be a split between <laughs> them in the future. I think it's eminent. All right. Moving forward, okay, you know in Seinfeld when they have the um, 
uh, feats of strength with the uh, Festivus episode. Yeah, Festivus for the rest. Where you have of to us. go back your 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 biggest problems you had in the last year. Oh, well, that's, that's area your grievances, right? There's feats my of grievances. Yes. Area your grievances. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pen for me. You that was the biggest your, uh... loss I had in 2021, and I don't want to talk about it. And that's at 65% off 52 week high. You got to do we it in your Franken stanza voice, though. You got to be angry. I've got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> I got a bone to pick stock. with you, Penn National. Then there's Gap, self explanatory. Who goes to Gap? Here's one that I want to get your thoughts on. Gap was down 55% from the 52 week high. Well, um, it I really don't know if gapped down, didn't it? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to bridge that gap. <laughs> so biogen off 50 percent from their 52 week high buy an opportunity you think i um this is i mean studs and duds a dud can quickly become a stud a stud can be a dud so it's it's the whole idea of you want to buy uh stocks that are broken and not companies that are broken i owned biogen for a number of years and the thing was up at points big and then it was down points big but overall it was just hovering around just a little bit down i just don't think that this is a broken stock i just think this company doesn't doesn't work very well you remember early this year this halting uh they, they halted trading on this because there was so much volatility they've had something with their drug that's been in the pipeline for years and years and it keeps just getting on the cusp of fda approval but it has never happened so i just I don't know what Biogen really has in the in the future that is going to increase revenue. And and I agree, but this is the first company on this list that all right, let me see what's going on there cuz I want nothing to do with Discovery, Viacom, CBS, um unless they're going to split, joking. Uh Penn National, Gap, Biogen, you know, we talked about. And then next is Las Vegas Sands. Look, we we did our episode on the gambling down 46%, pens down 65%, wins on this list down 45%. DraftKings got hit today as well. I, listen to our previous episode. We, we talk about gambling and gaming stocks. I don't want anything to do with Las Vegas. Here's a good one for you. I'm a Jack Dorsey kind of not a fan. Twitter down 46% off its 52-week high. Jack Dorsey stepped down this week. Mm-hmm. You a buyer of Twitter? No. The other yeah. news too, it is other company. They just uh, changed that. He's changing the name of Square. Did you hear this? They're going to call it no. Block. So Square um, later this month is going to be renamed the Block. Like which blockchain? I, yes. Block? Mm-hmm. So you can tell where uh, where they want the future of uh, of Square or Block to go and what they think the future might be with uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. But Twitter... I want nothing to do with that. Any of the social media companies, really. It just. I, I agree. Speaking of name change, if you're Viacom CBS, for the love of God, just change your name. Something, okay? Um, just to take a page out of uh, Zuckerberg's uh, playbook. I mean, there was so much negative stuff going around with Facebook. I don't think it was any stretch of the imagination to think with all the negativity is like now's the perfect time to pivot and <laughs> <laughs> just let's call ourselves metaverse or whatever that'll take away the sting meta platforms <laughs> all right all right mr fintech this one's next this one got hammered again today down 46 percent from 52 week high global payments i'm an owner of this company i still surprise surprise <laughs> yeah as i've said fintech i still like um 
you know, I this is a this is an example of uh, buying stuff and then uh, just uh, sitting on it and not reading up on it at all. So I don't know what the problem is, but just based on the overview of the thesis of what Global Payments Network does, it seems like it is a viable business and will be going forward. They they're the ones that process payments for for all the businesses, right? You swipe your credit card at a store. On the back end, somebody actually processes it, and that's where global payments comes in. So it seems like it should be a money generating business where they just take something off of each transaction. So I need to do more research. And this is actually to the listeners do your research, don't just buy a company and sit on it. Well, and that's the thing, too. And that's why I'm kind of trying to trim a little bit of my positions because I do have so many individual stocks that it is hard to keep up on all of them. And it's good to always do research for them for sure. We're going to do a buy, sell and hold here in a minute. The next one's, you know, Carnival, pretty self-explanatory Norwegian cruise line. I was going to say out of this, out of this, the ones you've named so far, you can really notice a trend. When you look at pin gaming that also doesn't just have the online sports, but they still have some casinos that they own. Las Vegas Sands has the gambling, but also owns casinos. You have Norwegian cruise lines and you have Carnival cruise lines. I mean, you can, you can say a lot of things about where we are as far as vaccines in this pandemic, but I don't, I mean, just looking at this, you can see that it is still a major headwind for, for travel, for leisure. Well, and that's where here's kind of, I wanted to get past Norwegian cruise line. I've got Activision coming in here and this is the buy, sell and hold here. We've got Activision down 43.25%. A lot, there's been a look, there's been a lot of negativity around that mm -hmm. CEO. They got to get him out. Has he stepped down yet? No. And in fact, that's why I sold mine. I sold when the news came out about uh, Bobby, Bobby, I can't think of his last name. Maybe I want to say Axel. I, I want to say Bobby about. Axel. Yeah. I want to say Bobby Axelrod, but that's a totally different guy. That's a made up fictional character on Billions. That's the guy off Billions. No, but yes, once the, the, the news came out about him and that there had been a pervasive culture of uh, discrimination and uh, sexual harassment for the better part of 20 years, it was one for me. It was like, I don't need to see if they're going to clean up their act. That's just not something I want to be involved with. So well, here's, tell sold. me if my son wanted to buy Activision Blizzard mm -hmm. and buy $5 of it. He's 10 mm -hmm. years old because he plays Call of Duty. And I didn't really want to go down the whole rabbit hole. And I was like, all right, you can buy a little Activision because he wants Call of Duty, but I don't think I want anything part of that. But let me tell you a little buy, sell and hold. Activision Blizzard. Um, Biogen. And Global Payments. Um, Activision, Biogen, Global Payments. Actually, you know what? We don't even have to answer that. I, you don't want any of those. No, I don't want um, any of those. No, I mean the only one I could say for sure is global payments would still because be a hold at it. this would be a hold at this point. But I really, I'd want to sell both Activision and um, and Biogen. So here's what yeah. I did with the whole Activision thing. I actually, because I was in the same boat. Uh, one of mine was the owner of um, of Activision. He has a whole little basket of uh, gaming stocks. He owns EA. He owned Activision and then uh, Take-Two. Mm -hmm. And um, when the news came out about uh, Activision, this is basically what I, I did. I mean, just had a conversation and said, hey, one of the stocks you own Activision, 
know, you still like it, but here's a deal with uh, their company and their CEO. And I kind of just laid it out with the, uh, the 40,000 foot overview about the culture of it. And then said, you know, this is you that gets to make the decision. This is what's great about being a part owner. You get to decide what you want to buy, what you want to hold, if something's a touch or don't touch. So just giving you the facts and then let him decide. And it was just like, nah, I want to sell it. So he sold out of that. So same thing you can do with yours too, is just give them the overview and just say, hey, there's some of the thoughts, but this is your portfolio. Yeah. You get to shape it how you want. Maybe I should have, have that talk. It's a good teaching moment too, if nothing else, right? Just understanding that the, I mean, how you want to just treat people. I mean, looking well, past corporate culture, just people in general. On a quick side note, you know, at Thanksgiving where you go around the table and say what you're thankful for. Mm -hmm. So we get to my 10 year old and he goes, I'm thankful for my portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. I was like, Oh God. Um, anyway. All right. I think it's time. Everyone's screaming at the pod. Everyone's screaming at their phones. Everyone's screaming. I think it's time that we talk about a stock that when you and I and the producers decided to come up with this episode and go over this list, there was a stock that was not on this list mm -hmm. as of before December 3rd. And I am referring to today being December 3rd, DocuSign, I stopped looking down 41% was the last that I looked. Now, I got to give Dan Springer a lot of credit because I saw him do several interviews today on the worst day he's ever had or the worst day the company's ever seen. And in a nutshell, and you and I haven't talked about this off air or anything, this is what I'm seeing. And I'll tell you what I did on this because I know we've talked about DocuSign. We've been bullish on DocuSign. We never talk about these other crappy companies that like the, the discoveries and the Viacom CBS and gap and all that stuff. But I want to talk a little DocuSign. So essentially what I understood happened is pre pandemic, they were growing, growing, growing and on a pretty good rate pandemic hit their growth went shot through the roof. They told everybody, look, the growth is not going to continue. And then they knew that their, their numbers and the price of, you know, the numbers would actually decrease gradually over the year. And because the growth was such at a, it's not what the street wanted with the, yesterday's earnings call, the stock essentially went down 40%. And there were people, not myself, that were buying DocuSign just because they thought, hey, people are cooped up indoors. They can't go outside. So now they're going to sign things electronically. That's not why I bought DocuSign. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm buying DocuSign because divorce, uh, uh, divorce decrees, family trusts, mortgage disclosures, uh, contracts. That is to me the wave of DocuSign. Mm -hmm. I didn't buy it as a pandemic play. And you know what? I hated Penn and some of the best um, moves you can make are selling a stock and moving on. DocuSign, um, I bought some more today. Yeah, And um, I'm not telling and advising people to buy some today, but I think Dan Springer's a good CEO. I like how he fell on the sword. Um, I mean, he could have easily like, you know, blamed labor shortages. His conference call, he fell on the sword. He already has a plan of what he's trying to do to change it. I think it's at a huge discount. I look, should have the stock have gone down 12%, 15%. 
They were supposed to make 572 million. They made 542 million. They knew the growth was going to stop. I'm not trying to sell myself on it. And look, was I nervous buying more today? Absolutely. I have never in 22 years of investing ever owned a company that went down 40% in one day, 30% in one day. That's, that's never happened to me. Thoughts? Um, I'm trying to think if I've been in the position too with why I've actually owned the stock scene drops this big because things that come to mind for me are two really good examples uh, are Amazon and and Netflix. And Netflix is probably more relevant. I can remember you and I talking in, in 2009, maybe it was after, I think it was when they were going to um, spin off um, Netflix and Quickster, right? And I remember talking to you on the phone and it was something like immediately the stock price had been cut in half. And you and I talking like, is this the time to get into Netflix? And neither one of us could pull the trigger. And looking back all these years later, how good that would have been. And I think what I'm trying to say here, the moral of the story is that I think we have to give some credence to companies that have a viable product. One, if there's nothing that's wrong with the actual product itself, and we are still confident in the management team, then mm -hmm. it is two of the biggest things that you could say that this is a buying opportunity. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier, broken stocks or broken companies. I mean, stock right now, I would say is more broken than the company. Like you, I still think people are gonna be signing documents online. So I just went in and hadn't put in an order myself uh, too to buy some more DocuSign. Well, he, here's the thing, like you take Activision and sorry for my boring buy, sell and hold on those three that Look, if the CEO came out and was like, we're in a toxic adventure, I've been cooking the books, uh, there's lawsuits coming, that's 40%. That's 40%. I, that, I would jump ship and move on and we joke about it, make t-shirts about how we own DocuSign and we all laugh about it. That's not what happened. The CEO is coming out saying, look, we told you guys the growth wasn't going to be there. We just didn't think it would be this quick. We should have done a couple things a couple different. We're going back to the way we did things pre-pandemic. And let me tell you just like a basic part of it, right? Let's take, you're buying a home sales contracts. This is a big thing with DocuSign. With doc, you know, pandem pandemic hit, you, you're buying a home. You can't meet with your real estate agent to sign in person. So you DocuSign it. It's not like if the vaccines are 100%, you know, if COVID goes away or Omicron or whatever, all that stuff, and we're back, it's not like they're going to go back to signing purchase contracts for a new home in person. They're going to keep DocuSign. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I mean, you, you bought more, I bought more. And uh, I got to say, there's been a lot of times that I've been trading the last 20 years where people look, you talk stocks so much. I, you know, get a few drinks in me. I'll talk stocks with anyone that people always say, Oh, imagine if, what mm -hmm. if, Oh, my friend bought Apple and blah, 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 when it was $17. And I, look, was I nervous? Did I get guilt? Not guilt. Did I get a little scared when I hit the execute button on the order today when I bought more DocuSign? You betcha, of course. But if I'm looking at this list of companies of Activision, management problems, when resorts, can't make money casinos. Who knows when those will open? Penn National, Gap, you know, Biogen, Las Vegas, Viacom. And you're telling me we got DocuSign at 40% in there. Uh, I, 
I bought some more. Well, let me let me tell you, have you heard this one before, Mike, or maybe this has been you and I too at times, is, oh man, I wish I could buy DocuSign. I just can't see the valuation in it right now. I needed to, I needed to pull back. Um, I'm talking like, mm, I'd feel comfortable if it was maybe 20% lower, I, I'd pull the trigger on it. Well, here it is today. It's down 40% in one day. And now it's just like, ooh, 40% down. That's uh, no, that's too much. I couldn't possibly buy it now is something must be wrong and insert any stock or just overall market. I'd like to buy into the market right now, but it's too much. I need a pullback. And this is, this is one of those moments you're talking about. This is what a pullbacks look like. It is a big pullback. It's all at once. And um, again, how easily you can just psychologically trick. You just be like, no, nope, nope, let's just wait. It, let's see if it what it does from here, if it goes down more, if it comes back. And this is why so many people end up buying high and, and selling low instead of other. 40% is too much. Let's wait. And in a year's time or whenever it's- There's a reason it yeah. went down 40%. And look, maybe this is a hot take and maybe I'll get some pushback on this, but look, investing is not all rainbows and apple pies, okay? You've got to have a, some sort of, uh, discipline, confidence. To me, sometimes when you're an investor, it's like it's third and eight in the fourth quarter with 38 seconds left. And here you are, it's 10 degrees outside and you've got to throw down the middle, get a completion, whether it's you want to use the Michael sports analogies, there's, there's hundreds and thousands of them to use. You've got to have ice in your veins to make these trans, these deals. And I'm not saying they go out and buy DocuSign, but I'm saying you believe in a company, it takes a 40% hit, which was overvalued, which just like CrowdStrike is down here. I mean, there's look, you don't want DocuSign? Look at Adobe, look at um, CrowdStrike, look at CRM, um, you know, Snowflake. All these got hit hard and they're going to continue to get keep getting hit hard and they're not, they don't have the value there, but you're right. And I, I'll be honest with you, Nate, if I haven't been investing for 20 years, and I've been investing with that 20 years with you by my side a lot of the time, talk, I was talking stocks. Um, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have bought DocuSign again. 15, yeah. there's no way I would have. I mean, a lot of this too is, I mean, a good correlation with this is, is Zoom is on this list too. And it's the same thing. It's it's off 50% from its highs, but looking back, it's very easy to see that these stocks were front loaded. I mean, when the economy is closed down and it's hard to leave your house, you're going to do your meetings online and you're going to sign your paperwork electronically. It just pulled forward a lot of the growth. But the other thing to think about is that both of these companies work on a subscription-based model. So once you're in that ecosystem that we talk about in your payment, your credit card is already on file or whatever, you're being accustomed to that brand. Both of these are also verbs. We talk about verb stocks. You're still going to Zoom you're still going to DocuSign. So the growth may not be there because it was pulled forward so much, but you're still going to use this. And really, when you think about it, what we want as investors long-term is companies that are continually going to make money. The revenue is going to go up. Maybe it's not going to go up 20% quarter over quarter, but it is. It's going to transfer to the bottom line. And then from there, cash flow, what they do with it, they can buy back shares, they can pay us dividends. But ultimately, I don't see anything that broke that thesis in my mind that I, I agree. And even on the call, they did break some numbers and it's like, take Lord's town motors. They essentially came out and were like, uh, we can't even make cars. 
Yeah. Right. DocuSign is not coming out like, uh, we can't even make DocuSign anymore. Our software won't support it. I, I just, I, I just can't believe it. And I'll say the same thing. It's going to be similar. Look, and it's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. Two things with DocuSign. One, yeah, it might be up 3% tomorrow. It's going to be an uphill battle. And that reminds me of my FedEx play. You know, when I bought FedEx, when it was off its 52-week high because of the labor shortages, I really told myself I'm not going to see any gains for 18 to 36 months. Mm-hmm. It could be the same for DocuSign. Now, the one thing I will say with DocuSign to, 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 that makes me a little nervous is it's not a moat yet. Mm-hmm. You know, Microsoft, just like they made Teams for Zoom, their competition, Microsoft could come out, spend $15 billion and make their own electronic signature. I mean, that could happen. Or, you know, remember, you know what uh, social media uh, Microsoft owns? Uh, LinkedIn. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Or they could come out and buy DocuSign too. Yeah. I mean, if you're, anyway. <laughs> we talked, we've talked about in the past, Adobe and DocuSign merging, cause it, it's, it's such an equal fit. I mean, if you could get that, uh, if you're Adobe at 40% cheaper price, maybe it does. I mean, I think that would have been a major headwind before this is that DocuSign was just too big of a, of a company for others to buy, but maybe a discount price. People are and I like too. I know I already said it, but have you ever seen a CEO come on two separate televised interviews when the stock is down 40%? Yeah. I don't He's, think I've ever seen that. So, the, so this one, do you remember stamps.com? It's yeah. uh, still around, but it was, it was a, a um, it's not publicly traded anymore. I think it was at the beginning of the year, they uh, closed the deal where they were bought by a private um, equity hedge fund. But um, I remember I was part owner of them and they were trading for roughly $160 a share or something. And on their quarterly earnings call, their CEO got on and said, we are ending our partnership with the United States Postal Service. Now, the whole point of stamps.com was to partner with the uh, the Postal Service to do that. And that was their major contract, their one big vendor that they work with for postage. Now, what the CEO was doing was saying that we are so tied into just the Postal Service it is limiting us from future agreements with other companies or whatever. So we're doing this. We're taking a step backwards so we can take two steps forward. The next day, again, after that call, the stock was cut in half, 50%. It was $80. And at that point, I had the same choice. It was like, I could add to my stamps.com position or I could leave it as is. And I thought about it. I was like, the US Postal Service is a pretty big player. You're going to try to get other partnerships with DHL, FedEx, UPS or whatever, maybe, but you already had something. So I'll just sit and wait. Um, when that company was taken private, my shares were sold at uh, $230 or something per, per share. So again, it reminds me so much of this because there was really nothing wrong. It was basically just a pivot in a direction. Again, they weren't saying that they were going out of business, that there was fraud, that there was crime, harassment, anything like that. Well, and that's why you have to, I'm just stating the obvious, but you have to see why the stock went down so much. And we talk about it before, if it's because they missed their numbers, all right, well, why do they miss their numbers? Like FedEx, if, well, it's because of labor shortages. Well, that's that's a temporary problem, you know? Or your stamps.com is a perfect example. And I, you know, you, you just like the Activision one is the reason why you want to get out. Or, you know, to me, I I have to 
wait until January 1st for tax reasons to get out of Meta, Meta Platforms, mm-hmm. Facebook. That's a reason why there's you want to get out of it. Um, I, well said. Is there yeah. any other ones we can think of that we didn't pull the trigger on? That um, well, welcome. Well, first of all, congrats, buddy. I didn't know what you were going to say. You and I buying some DocuSign yeah. buck 39. <laughs> at least we can take it to zero together. Again, this is uh, you and I making each other better investors. And um, I hope the listeners, if you have any questions about any of what we've talked about today or something we missed, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Two Buds Talk Stocks or on Gmail at Two Buds Talk Stocks. And occasionally we post pictures on Instagram at Two Buds Talk Stocks. And if you listen to us on a platform like Apple, where you can leave a rating or review, please do so. It might help bump us up in the algorithm and get more listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hi, this is Mike from Two Buds Talk Stocks. I use crypto.com to buy and sell 200 plus crypto tokens with 20 plus fiat currencies using bank transfers on your card. You can buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and so much more for as little as $1. If you sign up, use the referral code 6XHVS5GNE4. I get 25 bucks and you get 25 bucks. Again, that referral code for crypto.com is 6XHVS5GNE4.